Segmentist Podcast, everybody. I'm Kaylee Fretz. It is, well, it's August 17th. You probably listen to this about a day later. And this is our Vuelta a España preview episode. We're going to go quite a bit deeper than we did earlier in the week on the route and the contenders and all the things you need to pay attention to. In particular, with an eye toward the fact that we know some of you, some of you, might not watch every single stage of the Vuelta. And so we're going to let you know which ones you definitely need to catch. Now, with me today, Kit Nicholson, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. Welcome back to the show. And Ronan, your hair is looking marvelous this morning, this afternoon, whatever it (laughs) is for you. Go on, say what Amy said the other day. (laughs) Go on, say it. I will not. I'm nowhere near as mean as Amy, and so I will not say it. That was like one of the biggest compliments I had in my life. (laughs) Johnny Long, how are you today? Hello, I'm good. Ronan, I would say your hair looks less Geraint Thomas today, more like you're um, uh, a domestique for Alps and Dekernic. It's got a certain quaff to it. It's looking good. It's quaffed. It's yeah, exceptionally it, quaffed. And funnily enough, it was not Alps and shampoo that I used. So, Ugh. um, or natural. You'll have to pick it. You'll have to pick another team, but definitely domestic esque. <laughs> Well, there goes our Alpson sponsorship. Yeah. Thanks for ruining it, Ronan. Uh, <laughs> let's get into today's show. We actually, before we get into the Vuelta, I guess this is Vuelta related. Uh, we have some breaking news this morning. Nairo Quintana apparently was on the Tramadol at the Tour de France and has just had his result vacated. Ex- Johnny, what's expunged. going on here? I use the word expunged, expunged. which is a, yes. a fun one. <laughs> Um, yeah, on July the 8th and 13th, he returned, uh, basically the UCI do, or the ITA do, dried blood sample testing. Don't know how they collect that, I don't really want to know, but Nara Quintana's, uh, two of them on July 8th and July 13th, tested positive for tramadol and two of its metabolic agents, um, which means that he was had tramadol in his system, was using tramadol. Um, which is not an anti-doping rule violation, but it's against the UCI medical rules. Um, and as it's the first uh, instance of him testing positive for tramadol, it means that his result from that race is gone. He did not finish sixth overall. Valentin Madouas now finishes 10th. Tom Squinch finishes 60th, which he is, he's been tweeting about and he's very happy about. And an extra mm. 10 UCI points, I think he's got himself. Um, uh, but Quintana's not banned currently. Because uh, it's just the first instance. So he's able to start the Vuelta, supposedly, unless something changes between now and when this podcast is released or when the Vuelta starts. Arkea Samsic are an MPCC team, um, the movement for credible cy- cycling, who pushed hard to get Tramadol banned from in competition use. So that will be, that's the most interesting thing to see how that plays out. Right. I mean, MPC is a, it's a voluntary organization. And so what has happened historically is teams uh, join it. And then when they run afoul of the voluntary rules, they just leave. Uh, Yumba Visba did that not too long ago, I think mostly over some co- like issues with the cortisol rules um, or cortisone rules. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see exactly what Arkea decides to do there. I think... I think on a, I would have to go check their actual sort of like bylaws. I don't know exactly what they would normally do in this circumstance. I would assume that, you know, they would, it would prevent Nairo from racing for some period of time or something like that. But 
I'd have to go. I'd have to go look. Uh, July eighth and July thirteenth were the Super Planche de Belfi and Col de Granon stages. So if you are going to do some tram at all, good ones to do it. Uh, sound those sound like painful stages. <laughs> <laughs> and just as a reminder, tramadol is a is a painkiller that uh well maybe we should just talk briefly about what tramadol is and what it does in case people forget. I I mean it's a it's a it's a painkiller, uh pretty powerful painkiller and it was apparently being like heavily abused in the Peloton uh, a couple of years ago before this this ban was put into place. Uh and in particular part of the concern was just safety because you basically had people high on tramadol and trying to, you know, not crash in a peloton and it wasn't working very well. Uh, and so that was a big part of the reason why tramadol was eventually, was eventually banned by the UCI, uh, but not stuck on the actual, well, anti-doping list, right? So WADA has not done anything with tramadol. And so the UCI actually can't ban people for it without WADA adding it to their list of banned substances. So there's a bit of a sort of, uh, I don't know, organizational tug of war happening between WADA and the UCI. And so what the UCI could do is just essentially put out like a, a medical bulletin saying that, you know, the UCI will not allow this and we can, we can vacate your results, but he's not banned. That's why. I would uh, quite like to know just how weird his dreams were the night after, because that is one of the biggest things that <laughs> one of the side effects of tramadol is just, I mean, the weirdest dreams I've ever had, frankly. And I can still picture the feeling and the sensations and the colours now. It's, it's, yeah. Anyway, so there you go. I, yeah, I, th- I, I think there was a. Wait, wait, I want to talk more about this. Yeah. I, I want to hear. I want to hear more about kids' tramadol okay, so dreams. <laughs> we had a we had a labyrinth and a minotaur in Joseph's Technicolor dream coat and this kind of green fog. And something like the four horsemen of the, the apocalypse were involved. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, wacky. Do you reckon Nairo was sort of dreaming about Connor Swift, who then turned into like a dolphin and then started like using a skipping rope or something like that? That's what I reckon. <laughs> yeah, probably something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's serious stuff. It's 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 nasty stuff. I, I wrote a story back in my Velenews days um, about a mountain biker. Um, Pro mountain biker, he was he was uh, quite successful on like the twenty four hour circuit. Uh, named Ian Mullins, and you know he ba- he basically described one. He described the sort of the efficacy of it, which was he said that he would put in laps, like faster laps at hour fifteen than he was at the beginning of the race because he was basically just like couldn't feel anything. Uh, so so definitely effective, but for him it also led to to further uh, opiate addiction. And, um, you know, it's tramadol sort of like pegged as this, you know, the like lesser than Oxycontin or or something like that, but it is still a serious painkiller and can lead to, uh, at least in, in anecdotal evidence. I don't, I'm not a, not a medical doctor. Uh, but you know, Ian is not the only person that I have spoken to that has said that this led to, uh, like actual opiate addiction. Uh, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's serious and nasty stuff and it should be banned from the Peloton for a number of reasons for, for rider safety in the Peloton for rider safety, uh, not getting addicted to things apparently to keep their dreams slightly more manageable. 
and I'm I'm just I'm very confused by this whole thing because it's very easy to test for. It's mm. incredibly like they can they can test for it like like you said, Johnny, in dried blood. Like they can they can store blood for five years and still test for it. Like it's not something that is like the, a lot of the substances that uh, we hear about these days are ones with very short. Uh, for lack of a better term, glow time, basically um, stuff that that you can take when the testing window closes in the in the evening and it is out of your system or mostly out of your system by the time you wake up in the morning and the testers might show up again. The tramadol is not one of those. Uh, and so I'm just very confused as to as to how and why and when why Nairo thought that he could possibly get away with this doesn't make any sense to me. I also want to know more about the timeline of events because Tuesday night yesterday before the before the announcement, they did they announced Nairo Quintana's three year contract extension at six pm. An hour and a half later, he was doing his pre welter press conference. Was that all organized because they knew this was going to come out the next day? And then in the press release, it it speaks about how he finished sixth overall at the tour and how Quintana is a shining emblem of how everyone should be in a team. And it's just like really weird freight, like unless it's just taken them by surprise. That's the thing that intrigues me is like, if you know all this is coming down the pipeline and surely you do, right? Then why, why create, why do you have to, why make the PR person go back and like edit all this stuff out? I don't know. That's the thing that interests me. I like, I want to know how they've all, this is all played out. I, I mean, seems. yeah, you would think that the UCI would have probably given them some kind of notice here. Yeah. Um, um it's just it's just strange it's the whole thing is the whole thing is strange i i, I don't know whether i fall in the camp of like you know he should be banned he pro- I, probably it's like it's it's bad stuff it's bad it, and it's performance enhancing <laughs> so yeah, exactly I, it, it, I i i'm trying to remember how he did on those two stages on the on the planche he Dolphins came second stage. on grenon that's right so we don't want to. We don't want to draw a direct line between those two points there. But he was on treatment all that day. So uh, anyway, we should probably move on from this at the mm-hmm. moment. I imagine there will be some more things to talk about in next week's uh, Monday episode. I would think. Well, well, at that point, we'll know whether he started the Vuelta or not. So with that, let's get into the Vuelta now. Much like we did in our Tour de France preview. Uh, we're going to sort of focus more heavily on the first week here because, frankly, we have time to talk about the next two weeks in upcoming episodes. Uh, we will touch on kind of the biggest stages in week two and week three, but we're going to sort of focus a little bit more heavily on week one, which starts up in Holland. So why don't we kick off with, well, Kit, as you put it before we hit record here, the stage uh, that will likely determine who does not win the Vuelta. Uh, we got an opening team time trial. Tell me about it. Yeah, well, we've got 23-kilometer time trial, team time trial, uh, and it is as flat as a pancake. Um, so, I mean, it it's one of those where, you know, Jumbo Visma, Ineos Grenadiers, possibly quick step, are going to make a, make a play. And Movistar, Astana, UAE, Emirates are going to drop off the map a little bit early. I mean, to be fair, it's only 23 kilometers and it's team time trial, so they can shepherd somebody small. Um, but yeah, we're going to see some gaps before the end of, well, before the end of stage one. Was it, it was the Vuelta two or three years ago where they had that opening team time trial and everyone fell over because some guy had left his hose on in his garden? 
Oh yeah. That was a crazy day, wasn't it? That was, I think that was 2019. Um, yeah. And they started in front of yeah, this. It was on. It was a 13 K time trial. Uh, and I think I briefly mentioned this in the episode early in the week, but that was a 13 K TT and the time gaps, the time gaps to, to some of the, the, the overall leaders. And some of it, I think was the falling down with the hose issue. We're actually quite large, like up near the top, everybody was, was close, but I mean, uh, UAE, for example, which granted this is not a UAE of Tade Pogacar, UAE finished a minute seven behind in a 15 minute time trial. <laughs> so the, kind of the, the nature of this discipline and Ronan, you can probably speak to the nature of the discipline. Uh, I've done a fair number of, of team time trials in my illustrious, illustrious amateur bike racing career. Uh, and I will say that they are, I mean, they're the most painful like that and maybe a team pursuit are like the two most painful things I've ever done in my entire life. Uh, and it's a very unique, it's a very unique, um, sort of physiological demand. And also, uh, you just need to practice it because it's all about how smooth the group is versus how strong the group is. Uh, you can kind of make up for slightly fewer Watts with, well, one, uh, a very smooth rotation and, and just everybody sort of knowing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And, uh, we tend to find that some of the technological changes uh, are sort of amplified because the speeds just are so high in a, in a pro team time trial. I mean, you're talking about speeds well over, well over you know, 50, 55 K an hour, sometimes 60. Um, so that means that aerodynamics is, is huge. Yeah. And it's actually, this is the first team time trial we've had since that, you know, across any ground tour since that Vuelta team time trial in 2019. Uh, the last team time trial before that was only a month earlier at the Tour de France. And it was actually Jumbo Visma who won that, if we remember, back under the Atomium in Brussels. And I think we could be in for a similar sort of result on Friday. You know, the the Vuelta is starting in the Netherlands. Uh, Jumbo Visma are a Dutch squad. Uh, Primus Roglic is the favourite and one of the best uh, testers, you know, in, in the World Tour anyway. Add to that the fact that they've got uh, Rohan Dennis and Edwarno Affini and then in the background which a lot of us don't actually see is just all the attention to detail that the squads like Yombo and you know to give them the credit as well Enios Grenadiers quick step to a certain extent even the likes of Team DSM and historically Team Bike Exchange have been really clued into their preparation for team time trials and I think even you know the gaps that we've seen three years ago could even be larger you know this year because there's quite a lot of the teams in the world tour who let's say haven't moved forward with the times. And then there's those teams that I just mentioned who have not only moved with the times, but have probably progressed even further ahead, technically speaking, uh, compared to those teams who have not. And this is really a discipline where attention to detail makes an even greater difference than even, even in an individual time trial, the team time trial, it makes a much bigger difference. Uh, and one, one last point just on, on this team time trial is just the fact that it has, if I remember right from looking at the course map, something like 10 to 15, 90 degree uh, corners within it. Uh, so it's, you know, it's pretty much within Utrecht uh, town or city center. Uh, and just looking at the route map now, obviously on the ground could be a completely different story, but looking at the route map, it looks like it's not only going to be, you know, flat and fast, but it's also going to be highly technical. So, you know, we could... You know the cliche I could use here. I won't use it because the Tour de France cost me a fortune. Um, <laughs> but this is a stage that could influence the rest of the Vuelta. I'll say it. 
I'll say it. I'll donate the euro to charity. Uh, it's a stage where you could lose the Vuelta, but you're probably not going to win it. There we go. Mm -hmm. Into the cliche jar. I think what's interesting about the time trial, or at least in my research for the last few days, is it makes sense of this slightly odd looking bike exchange team. Um, but also we've seen how great they've been at time trials this year. Simon Yates at the Giro, uh, well, the whole team at the Giro. And so they've got, you know, they've got a team where it looks like there's not very much support for Yates in the mountains, but there are loads of rulers and strong men who could just rip apart this time trial on their great bikes. Do we think that Bora or Quickstep are going to have their entire squads in the Headsock helmet? <laughs> I, I was going to break it to Kitty at the end of the show that, you know, the Headsock probably will reappear. Uh, it reappeared today already. <sighs> Marlon Russo won the European Time Trial <laughs> or the Euro yeah, European Time Trial Championships yeah. with it. So, you know, it, it's it's got its second one already. It's bound to be out for the Vuelta. <laughs> the memes are going to be fantastic. I, I am going to be <laughs> memed again. Yeah, you will be. <laughs> <laughs> It's so terrible. Uh, yeah, I, I, good point, Kit, about the, I'm just looking at the bike exchange team. Here. For, are they all Aussies except for Craddock and Yates, right? Um, and Craddock himself is a great time trialist and, you know, uh, yeah, a real yes. a real engine on a team time trial squad. Yeah, it's definitely a team time trial squad. <laughs> yeah, sure. no, it's 100%. 100%. Yeah. I, I, which, which, again, like, I guess makes sense. Uh, I mean... I think that's what we, we we never quite got an answer to that question on Monday was just if if bike exchange were to win, do all eight riders get the UCI points or is it just three of them? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I forgot to look it up between that's then and clearly, now. Yeah, that's I, I, clearly I, their intention. I do not know the answer. Maybe we should just hit Twitter with that. Somebody on the internet will, will have looked that up for us already. Uh, well, let's move on from the opening time trial. I mean, it is going to be... It's going to be interesting. And I, for one, really like team time trials. Uh, I know that some Grand Tour contenders, well, they're not going to like this one in particular. Um, I don't think Ben O'Connor is going to be massively stoked at the end. At the What Ben O'Connor needs to do is pop on over to his fellow Aussies at Bike Exchange for just the day uh, and, sit, and sit on the back of that one. Uh, yeah, there, there's going to be some some GC contenders who are, well, a minute down, 40 seconds, probably 40 to 90 seconds uh, more if there are crashes. So it's it's going to be a it's going to be a dramatic day. And, and I think it's a fun way to open up a open up a grand tour. Uh, if if maybe not the best thing for kind of first week drama. Um, you know, the rest of the first week, which we'll get into here, uh, got a couple sprint stages. Realistically, those sprinters probably are not going to be close enough to be taking like the lead in the overall because of the opening team time trial, uh, with the exception of possibly like quick step if they have a really good TTT. So it does kind of affect the rest of the week too. Anyway, let's move on to stage two, which is still in the Netherlands and finishes in Utrecht and is a sprint stage. Right, Johnny? Yeah, it starts in a town that I can't begin to pronounce. It's S. Hertogenbosch. More easily, it's the town where Mariana Voss was born. Um, and there's a single catfall climb, 100k in. Um, and then, yeah, it's flat. It's a flat run in for the last 20 or so k, like completely flat. So it will be... Sam Bennett looking for his first 
winning a Grand Tour for, for two years, his first opportunity. He sounded quite quite ready to try and sort of unload the pressure off his back after what's been, you know, quite a quite a horrible uh couple of years for him. Um you've also got Pascal Ackerman for UAE Tim Emirates, who'll be looking for a win. Who are the other sprinters in it? Tim Melia. Yeah, Tim Melia. I don't I have have they announced their I mean he's going, isn't he? I oh. think he's going. They've uh, Alpsen have managed to announce later than EF, which I think deserves their own uh, their own award. Um, even the likes of like Group Armour, FDJ's Jake Stewart, who I think he won a race in the past week or so. Um, so it should be. You also have good. the the only non team time trialist on Bike Exchange, Caden. Oh Rose, yeah, yeah. Who <laughs> he, took a World Tour sprint earlier in the season, so yeah. no doubt will be out for his first Grand Tour stage. And he will. I'm sure. I'm sure that he will be in that front group with the with bikes because you can. You can obviously you can you can leave a bunch of riders behind in a team time trial. Um, but sprinters actually tend to be quite good team time trials because it's not a steady state effort like a team, like a individual time trial is. It's essentially go fifty percent, thirty percent over your your threshold when you're on the front, and then try to recover. And so, sort of riders better tuned to those anaerobic efforts are actually generally quite good team time trials and so i would I would spatial awareness too yeah yeah and i so i expect groves to, to sort of be in that front four finishing riders which is where you need to be uh the time will be taken with the fourth rider across the line for each of these eight man teams and yeah like i said sprinters are pretty good team time trials so i think he'll probably be up there and the, uh, like all the teams that have a sprinter will be thinking about that like just in case they're they keep him close enough and they could potentially take a leader's jersey in in the first couple of days of the race. Uh, yeah, they'll 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 be trying to keep those sprinters within the group. They will not use them up like they will some of the other domestiques. So anyway, let's move let's move on. Stage three, another sprint, right? Well, it's the same as the day before, just flatter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Netherlands. There's a fourth was, cat speed bump. If yeah. that was even possible. <laughs> yeah. Could be windy. I mean, these days could be windy, uh, but it's not super likely. And the stages are not like none of them go up right next to the coast or anything. So I think we're probably just in for some very traditional sprint stages in these first couple of days. That's that seems like the most likely thing to me. Stage four, we head. Well, we, there's a there's a there's a rest day in there, um, which is actually just a travel day. And then for stage four, we end up back in northern Spain and kind of the first real climbs of the race. What do what are we what are we what are we expecting here, Johnny? According to Matt's preview, we're expecting some wind towards the end if we don't get any in the Netherlands. So a lot of promise of a lot of wind. Um, there's a category two climb. So towards the start of the stage that lifts us up off the kind of flat undulating roads. At the end, there's a category three climb, which, you know, maybe could provide a bit of a, a launch pad. Uh, but then send down and there's another uphill kick to the line and it's like a steep kick with 500 meters to go. So maybe you have your punchier sprinters, maybe you have an Alaphilippe is at this welter, which I keep forgetting. So when we go through like all these stages, like any one of them could be like, maybe that's an Alaphilippe day. Maybe it, maybe it's here, maybe it's the first week. I feel like both stage four and stage five are potential Alaphilippe days. Kit, what, what's stage five? It looks pretty lumpy. Stage five looks kind of like a, I don't know, a bit, it reminds me of San Sebastian, those hilly classics where you've got punchy riders going all out. Um, 
So, I mean, Evanable's not going to be led off the leash, but it'd be the sort of day that he would thrive, sort of day Alaphilippe would thrive. Um, yeah, lots of lumps. What are they? Five categorised climbs, third, third, couple of seconds. Um, and the last climb tops out about 15K from the end and then it's downhill to the finish. Um, so I think that'll be a really fun day to watch, hopefully. Um, who knows? I Possibly a breakaway. And that's next Wednesday. Uh, local time, right? Um, stage five and then stage six is the first of, well, the first uphill finish. Uh, it's not a, not a massive one, but it, it's a, it's a cat one. It looks pretty nasty. Uh, is it going to, is it going to make or break anybody? Do we think? The first half is the hardest bit and then it sort of levels out and, and grinds steadily up to the finish. So we're going to see gaps but it's not going to be, I wouldn't have thought it'd be a make or break. I think GC riders will stay together until that climb and we'll see how they, how they're doing. It's 12.6 clumps along at 6.6%. So, I mean, I couldn't ride it, <laughs> but, um, you know, who knows? Maybe you'll see some of the, some of the GC guys lose a bit more time. And if they've already lost time in the team time trial, maybe we'll see Roglic just, even more in the red jersey. Maybe he's our new Geraint Thomas is even more third. Primoz Roglic is or even more red jersey. Hopefully not. Hopefully we get a proper race. But yeah, I mean, we'll talk. We'll talk contenders in just a, in just a minute here. But uh, I think it's yeah. yeah I think he's going to be very in the red jersey. I think the profile is sort of slightly uh, exaggerates the difficulty of this climb when you look at just the elevation gain. It goes up only goes up to eleven hundred meters um, from about. 200 at, at the base so you know it's in terms of grand tour climbs it's unlikely to be anywhere near decisive it's probably one of those where we look forward to it all week because you know we've had a team time trial and two sprint stages and then we get there and it's like an anti-climax <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate the positivity ronan uh let's let's <laughs> let's keep our keep these <laughs> turn that frown upside down young man uh let, let's 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 uh, let's look ahead. That, that that sort of covers the first week in in some detail. Uh, I do want to talk about stages we are excited about. Uh, yes, Ronan. Um, what do you have to say? Without being too negative, I did want to just touch on the fact that the Vuelta has got a travel day, so we have like three stages and then a travel day, the same as the Giro and the same as the Tour. Yep. And I really don't think the Vuelta has a sort of cachet to to be having a travel day right <laughs> as you're trying to get people excited about it again with a team time trial and two sprint stages it's it's unlikely to get me hooked and then the fact that we've got a rest day right at just as i may or may not be getting hooked is unlikely to do a whole lot for viewership figures for the for the race i think i think they might have been much better served by sticking with the traditional welter recipe of a bonkers first week I love the dose yeah. of realism that you provide at all times. The bike racing, <laughs> it really, it cuts across all the other sort of superlatives across like cycling media industry. This is the, hook this right up to my veins. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying it, uh, I see it. Gives us a day to make a podcast though. And that's, yeah. uh, that's very important. So we, you know, we'll make a podcast on Monday and, and we won't be a day behind. Uh, which is which is what would normally happen because we would make the podcast and then by the time it actually got out, there'd be another stage done. So I appreciate that side of it. But I do agree that, um, yeah, 
not the most invigorating first couple days of the Vuelta. I, I will say uh, that the team time trial is probably the stage I'm most likely to watch from start to finish. I uh, love a team just, time trial. Just yeah. me being me, but... Yeah. I mean, you, you know how I feel about time trials, individual time trials. I like team time trials a thousand times more than I like individual time <laughs> yeah. trials. Individual time trials are like watching paint dry. <laughs> team time trials are, they're interesting. And and just like the, I think they're they're, they're kind of beautiful in a way. Like the, mm. a really well-drilled TTT team is a beautiful like thing to paint watch. watching paint getting mixed. Yeah, oh, it's way better. <laughs> is it? There's like, there's like whole TikTok feeds just dedicated to watching paint getting mixed. So I'm, I'm sure that that's a thing that people are into. I, I love it. I, I genuinely love a TTT and I'm excited about that day. Um, I would just, you know, as always, the, the reason it's going to Utrecht is because somebody wrote a very large check and I would imagine that the Vuelta weighed that, the weight of the very large check versus the weight of any loss in viewership that they're going to find <laughs> over the first week. That's my guess. I think they did it just to annoy me. <laughs> what I like about TTT just for I don't know we might have spent a bit too much time on this but uh, I I got a few people into cycling via the Tour de France so that you know partly because it was so dramatic but the team time trial is something that I was lacking in my textbook of case studies because it is perfect for the kind of the team work of, of cycling um, so it, it, yeah I agree wholeheartedly with the fact that it's always interesting and it does give us some storylines throughout all the, ca- the classifications apart from KOM, um, it, you, you, we get a bit of a taster of what's to come without any hills. It's just a propensity for something to go wrong in a really comical fashion, which keeps me watching the whole thing. Like, there's always something that's just like, what, I think there's what a is hose going pipe on? And a trick this Friday. Yeah, is that like stuff like that, or like when they will have to start with someone holding on the, the saddles and stuff like that? It's just like, and like there's like salt flats behind or something like that. Was what was the world of 2019? It's just yeah. it's ridiculous. It's removed from everything else on the calendar what was it 2019 when they had to build a path out of yeah mdf and, yeah 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 like Ridiculous. why yeah <laughs> well we're looking forward to that <laughs> uh that's the first week largely covered uh yeah ttt sprint stages uh go team sam bennett and then all Philippe wins two days in a row that's 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 where that's where we're at for the first week. Let's talk about some of the some of the really good stages that are going to come after that. Uh, There's a time trial in Alicante. There is a time trial, unfortunately, in Alicante. Uh, at some point, it's like 30k, and on that day, Primoz Roglic will become even more in the leader's jersey. We can leave that stage aside. I think. Uh, what what kid? What are you excited about? What what stages here kind of catch your eye? Well, the first one that really catches my eye is stage nine, um, which finishes up a monster of a ramp, um, uh, really steep. It's where Simon Yates won in two thousand eighteen on stage fourteen, and it was kind of his launch pad to vi- overall victory. Um, so that'll be fun. I also just like stage nineteens. It always feels like okay, we're in the race now. It was like where, where Jai Hindley won um, at the Giro. It was kind of, okay, so we've got going. We're in the thick of it. This is what it's going to look like. We know who our starring character is going to be. Um, so, And it also just looks like a great stage. It's lumpy all day and then the really spicy finish um, where we'll see our main contenders box each other, hopefully. 
yeah, there's a bit of fatigue in the legs. We have a, a clear idea of form. And like you said, the narrative is starting to to wind its way into the race. So I like that one. Johnny, do you have a do you have a one picked out? Stage yeah. Picked out? I mean, after that you have a few sort of uphill cat one finishes because it's the Vuelta, but then on stage fifteen, it's the only or category. What's all category when you're speaking Vuelta in Spanish? What do they call it? Is it the same thing? It's is it super category? Super category, nice. <laughs> I might be um, But yeah, it's the My one Spanish is non existent. It's the bit it's like the big the big summit finish day where they go to two thousand five hundred meters, which Ronan was saying they've brought it they were trying to get it at two thousand eight hundred meters, but there's environmental concerns. I don't know exactly what those were, but so they've brought it down three hundred meters. But that's gonna be that's like the big altitude day where you will see GC change, maybe you'll see Roglic run away with it or someone drag him back a bit and then we'll have a bit of a, a race for the last few days. But I think that is that will be the day as well that everyone looks towards and it's like this is gonna be the one where the Vuelta springs into life and as long as it's not Rona making the predictions, maybe maybe it maybe it will. That is stage fifteen, Sunday, September fourth. Yeah. So make sure you are in front of a television for that one. And it's only 150 kilometers long, which hopefully will encourage them all to go hammer and tongs at each other. And maybe it's going to be a Nara Quintana, Miguel Angel Lopez day, and they both have a redemption arc after sort of tramadol slash weird drug allegation, weird stuff. So maybe it'll just be them two in some sort of battle of like, who can wipe the slate clean first? That's how I'm imagining it. I, I like the idea of that. And, and yeah, at, at altitudes like that, then, you know, the uh, the riders who grew up at 2,000, 3,000 meters are going to have a serious advantage. So it makes sense that they'll be up there. If, if I if I must look beyond the time trail, one other stage I'm, I'm looking forward to is just stage 20. If the GC race unfolds as world organizers are presumably hoping, because that final, you know, the final really meaningful stage, you've obviously got the stage into Madrid, but the day before that, has three first category claims and two second category claims within 180 kilometers. And yeah, when I look at that, look at that, I just think back to, you know, Pogaccia 2019, where he stormed off with so far to go in the stage and really showed to the world how just what a talent he is. And hopefully we get something similar this year, not necessarily from a young gun or something, but just, you know, a, the potential for a big GC shakeup on the second last day would make for. Uh, we'd make up for the first three stages, let's say. Thibaut Pino will leave it until then to make his mark on the race. After he's lost three minutes in the team time trial and exactly. everyone can stop yeah. asking him about maybe going for the overall, yeah. Nice. Yes. <laughs> oh, Thibaut. All right, let's, let's, speaking of Thibaut Pino, uh, let's, let's talk contenders here. Uh, you know, we've said, we've said numerous times already that I think Primoz Roglic is the the out and out favorite for this one. Um, we don't know exactly how he's recovered from, from, you know, Tour de France injuries, but if he's taken the start line, he must be pretty confident. The team's pretty confident. Uh, with all the time trial kilometers, both individual and team, you have to think that he's probably got a 90 second to two minute advantage over most other contenders just, just from those two stages. Uh, and so something would probably have to go seriously wrong for him to not win this Vuelta. That said, 
things going seriously wrong is something of a uh, uh, would be on brand for Primoz Roglic, and so anything anything can happen. Uh, and there are some other interesting names on the start list. So maybe the the sort of easiest way to do this is uh, making the case for why some other riders might might win. With Primoz Roglic, the, his most on-brand thing is winning the Vuelta, and the second most on-brand thing is True. things going wrong. So, <laughs> yeah. after three years where it's gone right... Yeah. This is true. Yeah. It happened to Pogacar. Mm. Fourth time's the charm. Yeah. Mm. All right, so so let's, 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 make the case, let's make the case for some other, some other riders. Uh, pick one, Kit. Who's, who, who, or Johnny, you, 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 stuck your, you stuck your hand up there. Who, 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 are, you, who are you making the case for? Jai Hindley. Oh. Yes. Um, <laughs> partly so that when he wins the red jersey, I can have an Amy Lauren Jones week-long goading of everyone else on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he. I mean, in the Giro, he was great. And he backed it up. He was, this morning, he didn't go as far to saying he's not here to put socks on centipedes again, but he said, let's put that question on ice which is sort of the most convoluted way of saying, I'm feeling good, let's see how the first few stages goes and if I find my climbing legs. Um, but yeah, he's he's chilled out. He's The team's good. I like the team and it's like, I know it's a mis- mishmash of Sam Bennett and Danny Van Poppel and Ryan Mullen doing doing sprint things in Holland. Then he's got Wilker Kelderman, uh, who in Spain probably won't have to be wearing a rain jacket, so that won't come into come into play again. Um, Sergio Higuita a Colombian to help him out and they've unfortunately lost Emmanuel Buchmann and they've got Matteo Fabro who's also good and I think Jai Henley can win the Vuelta based purely off vibes um, which I think the Vuelta is the only Grand Tour you can probably do that in uh, that's a excellent excellent uh, making of the case I think Johnny I, I actually think that Henley is a He's kind of like the second option for me. I, I go back and forth between him and Carapaz, but I, you know, I think that we kind of underestimated him in his battle with Carapaz at the Giro, and like came out on top. So I don't think we should do that again. I think that we need to think about Jai Henley as a as a serious contender here. Kit, who do you who do you want to make a make a case for? I would like to make a case with Joao Almeida. Um, sorry, Ronan. <laughs> um, so he's a good time trialist. He's a, well, he's a decent time trialist. Um, he's certainly got some great results. He hasn't. I don't think he's won a time trial since the national champs. But he's he came. He got podium pl- finishes at the Giro. He's got a whole load of really good results. Problem. I mean, and he's also a great climber. And he was until he had to leave the Giro, he was doing pretty damn well. Um, trouble is that UAE team Emirates have not done what Bike Exchange are doing, and by bringing a strong team time trial lineup. Um, so who no, knows? They've done the opposite. Yeah, they have literally <laughs> done the opposite. Um, uh, it's uh, slightly concerning. Um, I don't know. I mean, Brandon McNulty is a pretty good tester. Oliver, Ivo Oliveira is pretty good too. Then you've got Mark Soler, Pascal Ackerman. Juan Ayuso is a bit of an unknown quantity, although we know he's very good, but in these sorts of know at this level so it'll be interesting i but yeah i think he could do in rather similar to jai hindley he will be motivated to really do something in the mountains but unlike jai hindley he's actually got maybe better time trial skills so he'll have that he won't lose as much as 
he'll probably be second or third behind Roglic in the TT standings um, uh, from the GC guys. So I'm, yeah. And he's, he's just had bad luck. I think he's much more of a grand tour rider than he's been given credit for. And he's just had so many, I don't know, having to drop back for Evan Nepal at the Giro last year and then being forced out this year. He's uh yeah, he's due a good result and he's got a good team if around him if it's if not for the t- team time trial. They're thinking three weeks, which is fine. I think he'll come in third. <laughs> yeah. I I've got him second in my virtual podium standings. Ronan, who's your pick? Uh I say well, who's your pick? Who who do you want to make a case for? I will I was gonna make a case for Almeida, but that's been uh, made quite well just now. So I will instead look at the Enios Grenadiers. And obviously, Carapaz is a good shout for Enios. Was second at Giro, second at the Vuelta previously, was second at the Tour de France, has won the Giro. Uh, but rather than, you know, sort of go with the obvious route there, just to sort of balance out my negativity from earlier, I'm going to go with the dark horse, Pavel Sivakov, to have a good ride in the Vuelta. Um, mostly because didn't he win Vuelta Burgos recently? Uh, was second in San Sebastian. Um, is clearly based on those two results in in very good form. Has the potential to be a Grand Tour GC contender, uh, and really with Carapaz leaving, are any else going to put all their eggs in the Carapaz basket? I and and considering that they put all their eggs in the Carapaz basket, that you know the bottom fell out of at the Giro. Um, <laughs> They may not be so inclined to do that again. So many broken eggs. Unfortunate. Mm. I think that's a pretty good. That's a that's a good dark horse pick. That's a good dark horse pick. I'll, I'll I'm gonna make a a a brief case for Remco Venepol. Uh And the 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 entirety of this case is based on the fact that in theory he's the only one who doesn't lose a whole lot of time to Roglic in the time trials, right? He should be able to TT roughly with him in the individual time trial. And he's got a pretty good team around him. Actually, a very good team around him for the team time trial. I'm expecting they probably will lose a little bit to Yumbo, but not anywhere near what, for example, UAE will. So he should come out of, you know, the the first, what stage is that is the ITT? It's on 10, I think. Um, so he should come out of stage 10 in second or somewhere very, very, very high up. And then essentially just has to hang on. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I mean, there's just so much, so much yet to be known about his, his true grand grand tour potential. And like we were saying on Monday, we kind of just want to sit back and watch what he can do versus for put sort of any huge amount of pressure on him and, and, and try to make real predictions about what happens, but he does have the constituent parts Right, like he is a very solid time trialist. He has shown that he can climb with the absolute best in the world. The only question is really like recovery and that last week and climbs like the one up to Sierra Nevada that that are going to be probably difficult for him. But I think you can absolutely make a case that he's you know we get halfway through this race and he still looks like a serious contender in Madrid. Uh, that's tougher to say, but uh, well, we'll find out. Can I just be a bit of a downer and say, can he climb with the absolute best in the world? Well, that's the question. Can he climb with the with the absolute best in the world when the climb is an hour long? I, yeah, I think, and over I think a course of days. Yeah, that's what we don't know. I'm not so I, sure. I mean, we we just we just straight up don't know. I, I think that 
Uh, I mean, he's shown that he can do an hour-long time trial as as well as just about anybody in the world. And in theory, watts are watts, right? And he's not a heavy guy. So uh, again, I think I think a lot of it will come down to sort of resiliency and recovery. And that's what we don't really know about him. And well, what we've seen, what we do know about him is that apparently he probably sort of can't keep up on those two fronts. Uh, I mean, we've seen him, fall, seen him fall apart before, but he's getting older. Uh, let's keep in mind that this sort of like youthful winning of grand tours is an anomaly over time. And that most riders continue to get better and better and better, particularly in those areas of resilience and recovery up to, you know, 26, 27, 28 years old. And so we should be seeing him come into better years for this type of racing. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how many more times they'll try. That's that's the other interesting thing for me is is how many more times will they stick him in a in a grand tour and say go for the win uh, before they just sort of give up and say all right now you're just going to try to win Perry Nice and you're going to you're going to win tons of stages and whatever else it'll be interesting to see when that when or if that that switch flips if ever there was a Vuelta course you know built for Remco Evenepoel it's it's this year you know all, all the Absolutely. Vueltas that we've had for the past decade or so. You wouldn't really be considering him for, but this year is, you know, it's, it's as good as you can hope for, really. Like, based based yeah. on what we know of him right now, he's never finished a Grand Tour, though. They're really long. Have you seen them? <laughs> like, I get, really, I, get I get super, I get super tired. Like two oh, yeah, weeks. Yeah, in. me too. <laughs> Have any of us really ever finished a Grand Tour? No, no. So true. No, yeah. never. No authority at all. <laughs> Let's talk. Uh, let's talk dark horses. So, who else? Who else is kind of floating on the periphery here? Who might surprise? Maybe not for a victory, but just you know, be up there when we're not expecting them. I would like to make a case for Esteban Chavez, not with any real conviction, but from my heart. <laughs> I have, yeah. He, I'm a big fan. He hasn't done a great deal this year, to be fair. But he's moved teams. I don't know. I think he's happy there. And he's thrived in Spain before. And, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, on a good day, he is one of the best climbers on the planet. So I don't think, you know, I'm not expecting him to be competing for the red jersey, especially as they are going to come last in the time trial. Um, but he, you know, everyone loves Ed Chavez win. Um, and I'd love to see him do well. So maybe a top 10 finish for Chavez. I don't know. I want to see him spicing up the race. Stage win? Stage win. Sierra Nevada, maybe. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a good bet. I think the fact that Mikel Lander has already talked down his chance to the podium means that he's definitely getting just nowhere near. I think <laughs> Enric Mass will... I was going to say that means he's definitely going to get third. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think Enric Mass will be kept in fifth position to get some UCI points from Movistar. And Valverde will be eighth. Yes. <laughs> Um, I think Joao Almeida will suffer some misfortune and then Brandon McNulty will be unleashed upon the Vuelta Espana. Um, and that will be amazing. Uh, sort of with all the sort of Spanish exuberance and uh, expression. And then you have Brandon McNulty, the man who just wants to ride his bike and everyone else leave him alone, will be in the red jersey having a great time, but not telling anyone about it. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. Almeida's misfortune though could be a fallout with Mark Soler on the road and you know the same fit yes. could happen McNulty. So 
imagine, I, I wouldn't be. <laughs> imagine Soler and McNulty falling out mid-stage on the road. That would be in Holland, in Holland as well, on one of the flat stages. In Holland. A, a safer bet might be another, you know, if we if we think back to the tour and the, you know, the, the Grand Depart nation ended up winning the thing overall with Denmark and, and Jonas Vinigo, could be Netherlands and Time and Ironsman from DSM, who I was gonna, yeah, I'm hoping you'd say that had an impressive Giro and only got better the longer the Giro went on. So you know, he's a good time trailer. DSM will be well clued in for the team time trail. He will go well in the individual time trail, and he's already proved this season that he gets better as the race uh, gets goes on. So not not necessarily for you know, the overall or even the podium, but certainly young rider classification and potentially if everything falls his way, the, the podium, I guess. What about Miguel Angel Lopez? Is anyone else just excited to see him race his bike after all this stuff that's been going on? Yeah. Like if, if cycling was a regular sport, this would be like the story of the century that he was like nearly like suspected of being involved in drug trafficking, like across international borders. And then wasn't. And then wasn't. Yeah, very important yeah. to say wasn't, but <laughs> yeah. with that hanging there, <laughs> which might have been the media's fault. <laughs> ah, yeah, I, I don't know. Just for me, that and especially in a team like Astana, it's just like this is yeah. this is wild, wild, wild west. S- speaking of Astana, I just I just noticed that um, Alexander Vinokurov's son is racing the Tour de Lavenir. Oh, really? Yeah, this week he's got a contract yeah. for next year, I think, with Astana Senior, whatever they. Hmm. Well, yeah, and then the Astana, the Astana story only gets better. <laughs> <laughs> one, one quick fact that you may or may not believe, but uh, Astana, who were in, incredibly off form in the Tour de France, uh, were actually the winners of the last team time trial that we had in the Vuelta three years ago. And probably seems highly unlikely that they will repeat that on Friday. Uh, their squad, uh, De La Cruz, Lopez... I'm not even going to go into the whole squad, but you know their best chance is probably Nibali. Um and he seems like, given as his last Grand Tour, it's unlikely he's going to top the podium. Also, he's going to win a stage at some point and then bow out, which he fully deserves. A little stage win and uh, call it call it quits. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm that that kind of like, like Valverde. I'll I'll, wait, I'll I'll believe it when I see it, but uh, he is in theory done after this Vuelta. All right, well, I think it's time for us to wrap up today. That was the deep dive Vuelta Espana preview plus bonus Nairo Quintana Tramadol content. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be back on Monday after the first three stages, one interesting and two sprints. And we will talk all about it, all about it. And we'll give you a little sort of additional preview into what is coming up after Monday's stage. So until then... Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye.